a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. There is a new podcast, Relentlessly Resilient, that you can find on the KSL app as well as the FM 100.3 app. It is actually one that I think is perfectly timed for a year like we've had in 2020. And yet for many of us, we've had challenges throughout our lives. Jenny Taylor's own experiences with her family and the loss of her husband has brought her into the spotlight as well. Jenny Taylor is one of the hosts of Res- Relentlessly Resilient, as well as Michelle Scharf. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right, let's talk about this. Michelle, first, who approached you about this podcast? Actually, um, it was an idea that I had for quite some time, but all of the pieces just didn't really come together until uh, one night, uh, Jenny and I were out doing some service work together, and I realized that she was the perfect co-host and would lend stories about military and service people while I had a lot of stories from people that I have met around the state of Utah um, in my travels being involved in Utah politics. And I just thought it, it was the perfect combination um, and, and we were the perfect people to do this podcast. So it was a, an idea that I had in my heart for a long time. I, I wanted to share stories about people overcoming really difficult and challenging things. So many people in my life through their stories and, and through knowing their stories gave me courage in order to face the challenges that I I would later come to face in my life, uh, having a young husband um, diagnosed with cancer. And so uh, it was just perfect. It just, it came together. Jenny said yes, and and here we are. Well, and when you say um, it was perfect, the idea that life is, is, is imperfect, isn't it? And that right. there are times where we suffer these incredible losses and and trials. You talk about your, a young husband facing cancer, and and Jenny, in in your experience, you know, people probably os- often ask you, Jenny, how do you do this when you know when you you nope. suffer the sudden loss of a husband with a young family? Jenny, is that the most often question you get? Yeah, it, it is. And you know, I just echo what Michelle said. It's really how do any of us face our trials is by gaining courage from other people that have faced their trials. You know, I'll admit when my husband's death came as big of a surprise to me as anybody else. And yet I can look back in my life and think, wow, I've had opportunities to meet people or experience things that I never knew would be preparing me for this or helping me to face this. And, and it's easy when Life is hard, which life is hard for everyone. It's easy to get kind of in that myopic bubble where you feel like you're the only one. You're the only one that's faced this kind of difficulty. You're the only one that knows how dark this feels. You're the only one that's really ever experienced something this overwhelming. But that's totally not true. (laughs) You know, the more you get to know people, 
past it, hey, how are you? The more you see everyone has a story behind the scenes. And it doesn't necessarily have to involve a headline. And it doesn't even have to involve being a widow. There are people everywhere who have faced hard, hard things that you probably never know. People you work with, people maybe you go to church with or work out at the gym with, you have no idea what they have faced or might be facing right now. And I'll tell you, that's what's given me the most courage to say, holy cow, if they can do what they've needed to do, I, wow, I guess I'm going to just pull up my bootstraps and get to work on what I need to do. So I really do think there's power in this idea of human connection. Uh, the podcast is intended to overwhelm and depress you because it could be very easily overwhelming and depressing to hear everyone's really hard. Life is hard. Every one of us could write a book of hard things we face. The idea of the podcast is to say life is hard and humanity rises above that. Life is yeah, and I think I want to add to that, Jenny. I mean, it's to really pull themselves together to work together to rise above. You know, that's what human history is all about. It's not so much the conquering of one people of another, but each of us conquering those trials we have every day, finding the courage to say, "My life's not perfect." You could easily say, "Life's not fair," and my point is, I can still live a happy life. I can live a purposeful life. I can admit when life is really hard and I don't want to get up. Well, and, and I'm curious, Michelle, how you and Jenny uh, connected. So, you know, our story is kind of public, although, you know, I don't think as many people um, have uh, kind of connected to that story. It's kind of an interesting story. The, the flag uh, you see with Brent Taylor holding up the flag on top of the mountain is actually a flag that he flown in service and in love and in um, honor of my husband's passing. Mm. We were friends on a social media group. He had come to uh, listen and hear my story throughout the 22 months of my husband's cancer journey and his subsequent death, and he was deployed in Afghanistan and he could not be at the life celebration. And, and so he wanted to do something for me. And so the day before my husband's life celebration, he climbed to the top of a mountain in Afghanistan, flew that flag in honor of my family and sent me the, the pictures um, through messenger. And, um, and, and that's really how we joined together. I didn't receive that flag. He, he had intended to mail it to me. And I ended up not receiving that flag until after uh, Brent's passing in December. And uh, I, I went to meet Jenny at her house, pick up my flag. And um, and, and that's where our friendship really started, where, where we started to meet and know each other. Then she was also put into the social media group. And, and we've gotten to know each other. And then we had an opportunity, like I said, to serve our National Guard and um, do some things for them. And it, it was really in that moment where it, things just solidified it and came together. And, and you know, our friendship is growing um, a, a lot quicker and more rapidly now um, because of the, the show and because of the podcast. And the stories that we're bringing are amazing. These are people from within our state, but I imagine um, there will be stories from out of state as well as, as the show grows. And, um you know, just amazing stories of people that have gone through really difficult things and have found their way through it. And 
I do want to add to what Jenny said uh, earlier. The show could be depressing because it it is a story of the hardships, and we do connect with the trauma and the hardships and the challenges that people faced. And they're not all about death. Um, uh, there are a lot about death, but it's not all about death. Some of them are as simple as a woman who broke her knee uh, while while wa- water skiing who had a young family. And um, in comparison to maybe losing a person, that seems small, but our, our goal is not really to uh, – put a scale to people's grief or challenges. It's really to to show the lessons learned and what was gained within the challenge. And I have to say that as, as hard as a lot of these stories are, I have found that we find room to laugh in every episode. So, um, you, you know, even in talking about our, our last, last week's podcast dropped and it was, on our husband's funerals. And, um, but there's also a lot of joy and love and laughter within, within those stories. And so it's really about, it's not all about sorry, sorrow. It, It is about being able to acknowledge the moments of levity within the hard things or, or, you know, the happiness that the people that we loved brought us. And so it's not just a sad show. It is a show about rising above and rising over the occasion of these hard things. And here's the thing. That's the big connector of of human nature. We are all going to have hard things. At some point in our life, you might go a very long time without having to, to go through great losses or great hardships, but eventually we all have to do hard things, and that's what makes us as people so great is how we can go through hard and difficult things and rise above and learn from these things and take them forward into the next adventure of our life. Mm. It, it's just spectacular. Um, and for those um, who just joined us, this is Michelle Scharf. She's one of the, the co-hosts of Relentlessly Resilient, uh, as um, we've been so excited to be able to spotlight not only um, the, the stories that Michelle and Jenny Taylor uh, shares as well. Jenny dropped out for just a bit. Um, she's back and reconnected now. And Jenny, um, Michelle was sharing about how long before you two widows met, um, you know, Michelle's husband was fighting cancer and your husband on the hill of an F- of Afghanistan flew a flag in honor of her husband's fight of cancer. And it was just, just so extraordinary now to see your lives come together as two women who have faced loss and is, is, is our community um, learns how to grapple with that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a story full of, of many, many different chapters. You know, if you look at the book of Utah, that sense, everybody's life is a chapter in that. So, so Jenny, how do you find these other stories of people who are facing resilience or learning resilience in the face of trials? I think they're all around us. Um, you know, I don't know what Michelle said when, when the call dropped out. Sorry for that. But anywhere I've been since my husband died, and I've been to, to some different ceremonies, or maybe I've been asked to speak and share a little of my experience. Everywhere you go and you meet people, again, if you can get past just the, hey, how are you, and really get to know people, you'll find people have amazing resilience and amazing stories 
um, that, that kind of rise to the surface. I have now, my life has intersected a lot with a lot of other military families. And I'll tell you, if you want to learn resilience, you go talk to those military families. And I don't just mean those who have lost a loved one in the military, but those who serve, those who deploy, those who move around the country and the world while supporting maybe their spouse or their father or their mother in the service to our country. We've done a couple of interviews with, with parents or soldiers, or, and that is an incredible wealth of the American spirit of resiliency, of service, of humanity. And, and that's just one pocket of our population, you know, this great military wealth. And then you could tap into people who face challenges in their family. You could tap into people who faced cancer. You could tap into people who faced financial loss or maybe gone through a a horrible divorce or some kind of betrayal of a loved one. I mean, unfortunately, the list of human suffering is really, really long. And what <laughs> Michelle and I have both, what Michelle and I have both found is that the people who have gone through that suffering and risen above is also a really, really long list. And I don't think we'll ever run out of people to talk to because every, every week we record or drop one episode and we've already lined up 10 more people who will say, oh, my goodness, I have a story. Or, oh, you should talk to my sister. Oh, my goodness, meet this coworker of mine. He's been through this amazing thing. And, and we just keep finding more and more stories to tell. Again, it's not just for those who've buried a loved one prematurely. It's not just those who fought cancer or military. Those are part of it. But it really is real-life stories from real people facing the real hard things. You know, sometimes I look back now at things 10, 20 years ago that seemed really, really hard in my life. And maybe right now they kind of pale in comparison to, oh, my goodness, I just buried my husband. But you know what? Those things 10 or 20 years ago, they really were hard, even though it wasn't burying a spouse. Hard is hard. And, and when we're in the moment, it's not a matter of comparing, is your heart harder than mine or is yours more overwhelming than mine? No, hard, it might be a seemingly little thing or you might feel maybe embarrassed to admit that it's so hard for you. Knock that off. Hard is hard. And that's what we really want to talk to people about. Tell us the struggles you've had because those struggles are where we learn. They're where we grow. I find they're where we shed our pride and, and stop thinking we're fine. You know, I go back to the question I was answering when the phone dropped out. And, of course, I'm long-winded and talk forever. You asked how, how we're doing or how do we do this. The short answer would be not alone. How do we face these trials? Not alone. How do we overcome difficulties? Not alone. And I think that's what this podcast is about, connecting people to realize I don't have to do this alone, whatever this might be in my particular situation, which is really good news because I can't do it alone. Mm. And I think that's liberating. I think that's freeing, but it's not natural. We don't like to admit we need help. We don't like to admit we might need to be the subject of a service project rather than the one planning the service project. And yet, I know I, I'm sure I speak for Michelle and me and, and countless other people who have been served. What a blessing it is to just let down your pride and receive the love of someone else, receive the service of someone else. We all know how great it makes you feel to offer service. I think sometimes we shortchange the value of receiving service. Both ends, the giver and the receiver, are what lift us, and then they connect us. Mm. You're never more connected to someone than when you let them serve you. And if you don't believe me, try it. Let someone serve you. <laughs> Stop saying you're fine. Stop saying you're fine. I'm fine. It's fine. When, you know, probably someone could serve you or bless your life or help you. And then just watch out because it's like it opens a whole new dimension of richness in your life. To admit life is hard, to admit you can't do everything on your own, 
to admit sometimes you just don't even want to do everything anymore. You know, it just gets overwhelming. And yet, there's always that. And yet, and yet we're going to do it. And yet we're going to do it anyway. I don't know how, but somehow we are going to rise above. And Michelle's going to pick me up and drag me along if I'm having a hard time. And then when I'm doing all right and she's having a hard time, the roles will reverse. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it. It's not. It really is. A and one I have to street. say. Jenny is 100% correct on that, and she has been a great support for me. I have had some struggles during starting this podcast, and there were moments where she sent me some flowers or checked in on me. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing in order to serve someone. Just reaching out to someone and letting them know I'm thinking about you Sometimes that can be the difference between them being able to get out of bed and face the day or for them even to think I can even take one more step or one more breath. Mm. So, you know, I think the message for this podcast is find your support. If you don't feel like you have support right now, find your support. And if you're somebody out there listening and you know someone who's suffering, but you don't know what to do, just make a text message, send a a, a call, you know, call and reach out to that person and just say, I, I I, may not understand what you're going through, but I understand what you're going through is difficult. And I want you to know I'm thinking about you. And and that is if powerful because most people don't under understand that. I think that um, on the big picture, we know that, you know, when Major Brent Taylor was killed in action, we knew that that was a terrifically, you know, horrible, sad story. And then we go, what what do we do with that? And, and then those who knew you in your life, Michelle, before you were into politics, um, knew that, oh, my goodness, her husband's dealing with cancer. Now, I don't even know how to express what to go with it through. You know, I just recently finished, well, it's been a year I finished chemo and my own cancer uh, treatments. Um, and often people would say, I, I really don't know how to help. And sometimes you right. you don't know what you need in terms of what someone can do for you, but the emotional support we all need. So a hundred percent, right? You know, that is such a great thing that you brought up. Um, people would ask me all the time, what can I do to help you? And that question was overwhelming to me. I, it felt like a responsibility, like they had taken their intention of service and, and place the responsibility on my shoulders, which I couldn't possibly bear. And I didn't know what I need. And, and what all I really needed was for people to say, I'm here. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I put your name in the temple. I put your name. It, it, I lit a candle for you. I, you know, whatever it, it can be a small thing. It doesn't actually have to be a physical thing. Although the physical things are great, too, especially like for someone like you going through cancer, showing up at your door with some food or um, you walking out to find out that your lawn's been mowed or the weeds have been pulled or the uh, leaves raked or if snow's coming soon, somebody needs their uh, driveway plowed. Those little acts of service, if you just do them and don't ask for permission, are such huge gifts of showing love, but also taking a a huge burden because often people that are facing cancer or other things, they don't have the ability or the time to be spent on, on the household tasks that need to be taken care of.
Mm. And and that's so true. I know that sometimes I would say, and can you forgive me if I don't send a thank you note afterwards? Right. <laughs> you know, it you might, know this, go ahead, Jenny. Go ahead. Sorry, it just makes me think, you know, early early on, right after Brent died, I remember being so overwhelmed by everything and people were trying to help. And like Michelle said, they're, they're good intentions and yet the help sometimes can be overwhelming with offers because you don't you don't know what you need you just I mean I want my husband back that's what I want and I had a dear friend who's also a widow that helped me realize what was happening what makes it difficult for us to lend sympathy and to support people in their time of need is we make the mistake of thinking we need to fix it for them and I think that's where we go wrong and this friend helps point out to me we don't need to look for someone to fix it, or if we're trying to help someone, we don't need to try to find a way to fix it for them. What we need to focus on is helping them face it. Let's not worry about fixing it. Let's face it. And for me, that was like a, that was a game changer because, like Michelle said, I, you can't fix the fact that my husband is dead. There's nothing you can do. There's no flowers you can bring. There's no sonnet you could write that's going to fix that. But if you mow the lawn or pick up some groceries or just stop by or send a text and say, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry, I love you, you've now helped me face that. Mm. And it helps both of us, again, let, let, let us as human beings let go of that false notion that it is our job to fix each other's problems and let us focus on helping each other face those problems. It, it's a game changer because it takes that weight of the impossible. I can't fix, I can't bring John back. I can't take your cancer away. I can't give you your job back if I'm not your boss and you're now unemployed, but maybe I could help you face it. Maybe, maybe dinner tonight would help you face it. Maybe I know your favorite drink from the soda shop. And again, doesn't solve a single problem, but it conveys the message. I love you. And I'm sorry. I think sometimes we need to learn that that's a complete sentence. I'm sorry. We could stop there. We don't have to say, I'm sorry, but I'm glad God will help you. Or I'm sorry, but I know your loved one's in a better place. Or I'm sorry you lost your job, but I'm sure you'll find something better. Maybe let's just stop and say, I'm sorry. Like, this, this is hard. It's okay to just stop right there and then help each other find ways to face it. Let's, let's let go of that human instinct to fix everything. I mean, it's a great instinct. I'm glad we have it. A problem solved, and that's part of the process. But I think in the moment when someone's facing grief or a trial or just overwhelmed by the natural life they have to live, Sometimes the best thing to do is not try to fix it and just help that person find little ways to face it. I, you know, it's interesting just hearing from, and for those who've just joined us, this is uh, Jenny Taylor. And we're also talking to Michelle Scharf, the co-host of the new podcast, Relentlessly Resilient. I already feel more resilient um, just, um, just from this interview because, uh, you know, in the long scope of life, we don't know that we can face difficult things until we face the difficult things. We don't know how we can help someone who's facing a difficult thing until we do. So it's just like when you're children, you, you are growing and learning how to walk and how to talk and how to make friends and how to move forward as, as we go through. That's what resiliency is, isn't it? It's, it's gaining right. uh, life problem skills of how to manage these things, change, adapt, and grow. And and it may be one of the most difficult and yet most vital skill we have is to learn how to become resilient. Um, I have to say, I really wanted to get it done this year. I, I, I'd actually <laughs> had this thought for this podcast for a yes. few years. But when pod, when um, podcast, sorry, when COVID hit in March, I thought, I have really got to do this. 
And one of the reasons I, I felt so um, pushed to do it is I thought, oh, okay, now the rest of the world has joined me on my grief table. They're in, in my chapter of my grief, grief book because we were all suffering loss simultaneously at the same time. Now, that's true. We, we are all going through different things at different times, but it's like the whole world joined us in, in like, okay, wait a minute. My life isn't the way I've operated. So we were all kind of out of balance together. And, and I just thought it was such a great time to do this because one of the things that happened with COVID is we all got quarantined to our homes immediately. And that created some isolation. I thought, you know, we still need to connect. You can't, I, the thought, my children came to me and said, can you imagine if we were going through this right now with dad, if, if dad was still here and at the, at, towards the end of his life, how terrible this situation would be. And I realized there are people doing that right now, hundreds thousands of, of families faced with losing a loved one during quarantine and how isolating and alone that would be. But honestly, I didn't need people to show up at our door. And, and, and John and I didn't really actually have a lot of people showing up at, at our door a, a lot of the time, but it was people reaching out either through text message, email, calls, um, FaceTime, Whatever, whatever avenue people would just reach out to us in order to connect and say, hey, we're thinking about you. How are things going? You, you know, you're in our thoughts. We're praying for you. And those, those small and sweet things were probably the largest things that I remember mm. um, of all, the, all of the acts of love and service that were done. And, and there were plenty. But those heartfelt moments where people stopped and took the time out of their lives to reach out into ours and say, I'm thinking about you. Those were the moments that carried us the most. And so I felt like with COVID happening, everybody needs to realize you're not alone and we still can have this connection and, and it's still needed. Mm, and I, and so, I couldn't agree more, Michelle, that the podcast is coming out um, despite whatever obstacles you had, is coming out at the absolute ideal time when the yeah. world and the country and individuals are learning what it's like to be out of control <laughs> of right. an awful lot in our life. And it's not how we are wired. And so learning to adapt and to be resilient is even more important. I wish that we and, had and a Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say, and don't you feel like, especially in your own cancer journey, that, that there's a truth to that. You find out you're not the one in control. You can't control this thing, you know? Right. And so so it is, you know, I I hate cancer, but it, it's a teacher to, re, to really teach you that, you know, we're not in as much as control as we think that we are. Right. And, and COVID is doing the same thing for everyone simultaneously. But I did learn that I am in control of how I treat the people in my life, how right. I treat myself, how I reach and try to have healthy 
you know, healthy thoughts and healthy habits to be able to be as strong as I can emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, uh, that which is in my hands, then I take (laughs) and and, and I do my best with, well, you know, palms up, letting go to that which I cannot control. We, um, I'm so sad to have to wrap this up because Jenny Taylor and Michelle Scharf, you are two incredible women thrust in the spotlight um, you know, that's a surprise too in, in different areas of your life. And yet you're taking your own personal emotional uh, trials and sharing what you've learned and opening the door to connection as Jenny had made. The podcast is called Relentlessly Resilient with Michelle Scharf and Jenny Taylor. You can find that anywhere for free. You can subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. Jenny and Michelle, I will be subscribing uh, and listening to every one of your podcasts and holding everybody in my heart that is struggling right now. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure and an honor. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.